Hello, everyone. Welcome to Parkscope Unprofessional Podcast Hour. Yes, you heard that right. Wiz Khalifa's singing it. It's time for Black and Yellow. But before that, we have Alan. Alan, how are you doing? I am okay. You're okay. I'm physically here. Yeah, so so yesterday, um, I was in Ann Arbor. I mm-hmm. tried to spend really spend like a night a week in Ann Arbor. So I was in Ann Arbor uh, crashing at my buddy's house or apartment, which he's moving out of like next week. So I have to help him move out of that into the new apartment in September because he's, he's like gone all of August. Anyways, and uh, we went out drinking and I left my credit card at the, at the alley bar. So... Not, not that anyone's going to go and take my credit card from the alley bar, but it is there. They, 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 I, I told them I'd be there next week to pick it up. They're like, yeah, it's cool, it's cool. So at least they have it. But um, then we got back to the apartment, and he's like, I have all these bottles of cachaca with like barely any rum left in them. Should we drink them? And I was like, yeah. So today was a hard day. Today was a tough day at work, but, you know, I fought through it. And I uh, came out the other side, and I got home, and yeah, I'm here. I'm alive, man. I mean, isn't that the best we can do? Is just that we're alive in the end? <laughs> it is. Like, as long as you're still breathing and conscious and, like, aware of your surroundings. I mean, generally, I'd say I'm, I'm aware of my surroundings still. I, like, I had, I had no recollection until literally five minutes before I turned on the computer to do this that I have to go for an eye exam tomorrow. <laughs> and I have, like, a bus ticket book that I have to, like, reschedule. Oh. So, Ooh. Yeah, because I was like, I need to get this scheduled. It's like, no, no actually, no. No, you don't. Um, but, yeah, no, yesterday, yesterday, last night, it wasn't rough. It's just, like, this morning was rough, like, having five hours sleep and, and a headache that lasted until about 3.30 in the afternoon. But uh, I've recovered. And uh, I'm excited about going to sleep soon. That I will do probably after we're done here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, I'm excited about that, about sleeping. But I'm really particularly excited about Kennywood's new ride. Yes. Shall we talk about that real quick? So we... I, I had And dare I say land. Their new land. Their new land. They have a land. Um, the... Um, uh, we, I had been told by, by, you know, individuals, characters, if you will, uh, and we discussed it on, on the last show that I was on a couple weeks ago, that I had been told SNS for this ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was also told SNS for Six Flags Great America, which, again, nobody, nobody has that one out there. So we're just going to repeat that we had that. I, I thought it was going to be launched for sure based on the blueprints. It's not. Which is sort of crazy. Sort of crazy. Um, I I was told also today, uh, it's been pretty much, I think it's now pretty much like out there that this is, uh, it's Ride Centerline that did the design for this. Which really? Is, yeah, so it's basically like Alan Schilke's guys. That explains a lot about this. Then. <laughs> that explains a lot about this ride. Yeah, um, that explains a lot. This ride layout is bonkers. So it's way it's way crazier than I thought. It was so be. for anyone, 
yeah, continue, and then we'll do a little overview. Sorry. I mean, like, the, the POV of the ride, um, I feel like there wasn't this much variation in terms of what the ride was doing. Uh, and this is, the, the, it's Steel Curtain, for everyone out there mm-hmm. who hasn't heard about it, um, which is their new ride. It's an S&S... Uh, I guess you'd call it a traditional coaster. It shows like a, a double, or no, it shows one lift chain. I thought it sort of showed two. There's a empty rollback. Has a really crazy like lift structure to it with these supports, and then it has a whole. Off, it has a crazy structure, period, because it looks yeah. like the Raptors uh, that uh, RMC is building, and also the El Loco that SNS builds. Yeah. And then, so basically, like, the, the first thing that you know as, like, a coaster fan when you watch this ride, and the reason I think, this is the reason why I think everyone thought it was launched, it starts off with basically the Drakenfire opening, which, if nobody knows <laughs> yeah. the Drakenfire, it's from Busch Gardens Williamsburg, you can go look it up on uh, Defunct Land. Def- yeah, Defunct Land has a great video on that. It had a great video on it. Basically, it started uh, with an inversion, like, it got to the top of the lift, dropped off, and then immediately like went to like a barrel roll into the drop. Well, this kind of does the same thing. And then like it comes out of that and like shifts back to the right and then it's like off to the races. And it's doing all sorts of things that I don't think anybody expected out of this ride. It kind of has a, a cobra roll sort of element. Um there's a one of the, the big stalls that they were doing, uh, like they did on Goliath at Six Flags Great America, um, which again was like a major Rocky Mountain hallmark. It's just mm-hmm. like, okay, a second, hold on, this is this does not look like this is not an average design. Somebody else did this. Either they did a really good job of ripping off what Alan Shilkey was doing and his team, or it is Alan Shilkey and his team, and it, it was the latter. Um, nine inversions. Nine. Yeah, nine. So this is this is the coaster with the most inversions in North America, um, and and actually I think at this point, I believe it's in the Americas period because the the only coaster that had eight that I can recall was oh there is there's one coaster with eight in Guatemala, <laughs> so of all places. So this is this is the most uh, inversions of any coaster in in North, South, or Central America. And it's a big ride. It's anchoring a, a new themed section themed to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Which we'll get into a second. Big ride. I mean, just a big, it's a 220 foot tall ride. It's, it's you know, 4,000 feet long. Huge ride. It doesn't really use the, um, the ravine, which supposedly that was a result of, like, the quality of the ground there. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they could have dug a lot deeper and probably you know, found bedrock eventually, but it just would have been too expensive. <coughs> that or landslides, who knows what it was exactly, but um, yeah, this was this is this was a lot more I think than anybody was expecting as far as what this ride brings to the table. Yeah, and uh, but but also like another angle, like I've seen a lot of people be like, oh, it's another sit down coaster at. Kennywood, you know, they could use a suspended or something like that. Um, I've heard just some general kind of apathy in a way, which is weird because the ride yeah, looks it's, it's weird. I do see, I do, I do kind of see where people would be like, well, you know, doesn't this kind of do the thing that the Skyrocket already does? 
and you know um, I can kind of see that I can except like this ride is going to be so much better than Skyrocket mm-hmm. that I you know this is one of those things where like when you start complaining about a ride like this like you really need to rethink like your position in the hobby yeah, because this isn't just another, you know, boilerplate, you know, whatever. This is something we just haven't seen, period. Yeah, this is, this is for a, a steel coaster of this size, um, with, with these kind of inversions, like, this is, like, the biggest, like, straight-up steel layout that we've seen from, you know, this team. Like, it's, um, you know, most of the Rocky Mon stuff is, are, are retrofits of older rides, um, so, and they're old wood rides. Then you've got for Ride Centerline, they designed the coaster at Kentucky Kingdom, uh, which is not anywhere near this big and definitely has no inversions. Um, so this is, this is just an interesting one. This is, I, I, I think it looks great. I would be surprised if there's going to be anything else next year that actually beats this. And I know. With the mock coaster looking like it's going to have a couple launches that's going into Carowinds, and whatever exactly it is that they're going to be getting at Great America in um, in, in Illinois, I, I'm sure those rides will be good. And Magic Mountain looks like it's going to get something substantial too. But this is I don't know this this ride looks really 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 good, and I I like what they're doing with the whole area. I mm-hmm. really do. Yeah. So um, so let's talk about the coaster on my angle a little bit um i didn't know that uh alan chickley's guys were doing this i just thought it was sns straight up so i was like thinking that they were ripping him off you know or whatever but it's interesting that sns is doing it maybe sns took this up as like a contract gig you know sort of like a hey we didn't write it but we're directing it sort of situation um you know for the coaster if that kind of makes sense yeah because like we shilke has worked you know his team has worked before with the folks at uh, chance rides, um, and obviously, you know, they do all the layouts for for RMC. Yeah, um, you know, because that's that's you know part of their business, or you know, part of uh, Shilke's, you know, what basically gets his, his checks from. Yeah, uh, I guess in a way, it's kind of similar to uh, like Werner Stengel when he was kind of the top coaster designer in Europe, and he was doing layouts primarily for Intamin, but he would do stuff for Zyre. And some of the other companies as well. Like, mm-hmm. See that from time to time, but I, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy. I, I would love to know how this all came about. I, oh. I, I'm sure that probably this is not the first time we've been together. It's just the first time that we've discussed it because there's a bunch of SNS stuff that's been built outside the United States, primarily in China. Mm-hmm. Looks really wild. Especially like the, the air launch stuff, which is what again people were thinking this was going to be. So, um, yeah, I, I just I, I don't know what to say. It looks really good. <laughs> it looks really, really, really good, and I'm pumped to ride it. I mean, that that this is. We were hoping that that what Kennywood was going to be getting was going to like kind of make up for uh, some of the years of like not having anything really impressive. And you know what? Going back to that whole discussion that we just had about, like, well, they don't have, like, a suspended ride, or they don't have, you know, X, Y, or Z, and they're getting this ride instead. If they got a B&M coaster, everyone would be complaining. 
They go, yeah. let's just throw a B&M inverted coaster. Like, aren't there already B&M inverted coasters at Hershey Park? <clears throat> your brain, yeah. Nine. You know, like, you know, you're not going to win that battle. Like, unless you have... Nobody can come out with a brand new ride system every single time. Like, that's just not realistic. And... You know, on that basis, you're like, okay, well, what are they going to build instead? And I think that they built something that looks really, really cool. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to say other than it looks really awesome and I'm excited to ride it. And I'm way more excited about this than I, I anticipated. I thought it was going to be interesting. I uh, knew I was going to ride it because it's a big ride, but I did not expect like this kind of big. Thing like this is this is kind of like an event ride. Like this is a ride that a lot of people are going to be going out and trying to ride next year. And and hopefully everything at Kennywood is running really well. Like they have multiple trains on stuff next year to go with it. Because um, I know that's been an issue this year. But I I, I don't know. I, I'm happy with the ride for sure, hundred percent. And then I'm happy with the surrounding area. I think that the choice of of working with the Steelers, you know. I mean, th- that team is absolutely embedded in the identity of Pittsburgh. And, you know, Kennywood is very much an urban park. This is not a park on the outskirts in the suburbs somewhere. Yeah. Uh, anyone who's been knows that you, you're looking at the Monongahela River from the park, and you can see the steel mills. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very much an, an urban park. Uh, in a very rare sense, most parks like that did not survive the 1960s, 1970s. It did. And I think, again, the fact that it is such an urban park, that it is, you know, it's not in Pittsburgh proper, but it's very close. I think it all really comes together well. And I'm, I'm, I know, like, it's not going to be, like, over-the-top amazing stuff that they're going to have for, like, the Steelers experience. But, like, the idea of having, like, the different games that are related to the Steelers and, like, you know, various displays and historical stuff. I think it's going to be cool. I think I think it's going to draw people that aren't necessarily interested in the park just to come out and see Steeler stuff. Yeah. So when I I actually uh, I was talking to my boss, who's a huge amusement park fan. So that's a a good thing for me now, right? <laughs> um, yeah, it's a positive. So I was just mentioning, oh yeah, the new Kennywood ride. So. Um, I was watching the, the unveiling, and you know they were talking about the stats. Did you, you did you watch the live unveiling? I did not watch the live okay. unveiling. So the, so it was kind of you know pretty standard, you know. You, you, it, basically, they just had you know pump up the jams on repeat, and then party house, <laughs> party house <laughs> like on repeat, and then like okay everyone, and then like they had the awkward PowerPoint presentation, blah blah blah, whatever that stuff. So then when they were talking about the ride. Like the, the the camera that was filming this all like panned to the left, and there was a trolley that was driving by, and then the PR guy I forget his name was basically like, oh well, we have friends near, friends near if, near here or whatever who are finally going to come to Pittsburgh, and, and you know it was the whole the whole entire idea. Of, well, this is going to be a much bigger experience than just this one coaster. Here's, you know these friends nearby and i saw the trolley and i'm like oh shit they're bringing daniel tiger's neighborhood to 
yeah, to Kennywood. <laughs> and then instead they're like, no, ma- <laughs> it would have been a funny fit after they just did all the Thomas land stuff this year. But yeah, exactly. But now, now, but then they were like, no motherfuckers, it's the Steelers. So then they pull down the thing and their logo. It's just like the funniest thing in the world. I was just like, what? I was just like whiplash. That's all it was. It was whiplash. <laughs> what's, what's the name of the, the basket? It's like Steely McBeam or something like that. Oh, I I don't even know, but it's but yeah, but um to talk about the theme overall, I think this is one of the uh, like so someone brought this up like outside of the Intimidator, is this like the only sports themed coaster or like land in a park ever? Like in North yeah. America maybe, at least. I had asked that and actually Lane was like Intimidator. I was like, yeah. "Oh yeah. Dale Earnhardt. Yeah, yeah, that's right." But of course, they did that after Dale Earnhardt was already dead. Yeah, um, had been dead for like several years. Many years, actually. <laughs> the only the only other ones that I could think of that were like very clearly like sports, you know, specific team oriented. You can go with Ferrari, and literally everything. Okay, good point. Ferrari yeah, or at Ferrari Land. Uh, you know, Ferrari, Scuderia Ferrari is is literally historically a a race team that sells cars to, so that they have money to support the racing. Like mm-hmm. that, that's that's the reason why Ferrari exists. Um, Silver Star at Europa Park, which was themed to Mercedes racing, uh, though I think they removed most of the theming, but it used to be filled with it was all like Mercedes everywhere, like all Mercedes cars. I mean, Silver Star. Like, you sit back and go, like, I don't understand the rationale. Then, like, you look at the Mercedes logo, and you're like, oh. Yeah. Oh, it was like a star. Okay. Um, and the only other the only other thing I could think of, though I don't think it has any rides specific to the team, is Yomiuri Land in Japan, which you take a, a sky ride into the park from the entrance that goes over uh, the Yomiuri Giants, hmm. like, practice facilities. And that's like that's the that's the best I've got. Like, like one of them is really loosely potentially connected, and then you have car racing, but nothing, nothing that specifically relates to an individual sports team. There's like boardwalks and baseball back in Orlando is probably the closest in terms of like American stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's like you can get like there's some really like weird obscure stuff that references American sports like there's a really bizarre you, you'll have to look it up later there's a, this really bizarre like it, it, it's a dark ride that's not in the dark it's the best way I can explain it it's a suspended dark ride mm-hmm. that's just out in the air called Miami Dolphins <laughs> <laughs> sure and, sure why like, not it was touring in Europe and then it went to the Middle East for a little while and I know that um I know that Bannister wrote it, and it's it's like the most bizarre looking ride of all time. Um, that's that's like again that's it's not actually themed to the Miami Dolphins. It's just like I think it's a name that they were like Miami Dolphins. Like some French guy was like, oh yeah, let's totally call it that. We do, we just we just watched the uh, Ace Ventura Pet Detective, so obviously Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins all the way. <laughs> so, yeah, I, um, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it's a cool idea. I think it, it kind of now it kind of like brings in this discussion that I don't think any of us have had before about 
Like, what about teams? Like, what about sports teams as an intellectual property? You know, like, I mean, we've kind of had this discussion to some degree. I think at least, like, Universal, you know, it usually comes up with Universal as it relates to wrestling. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, there's been talk forever about the WWE opening some sort of Hall of Fame <clears throat> restaurant attraction thing there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... Um, but that again, that's also not sports. Um, I just I think like for a lot of a lot of places, a lot of regional parks, like the idea of having an attraction that relates to like the local team, like the local big name team, is a really interesting idea. Um, you know, I think of like a park like uh, Parque de Atracciones in Madrid, like if they had a Real Madrid section of mm-hmm. some sort. That would be really cool, or if you went to, um, you know, there's a bunch of parks in the United States. I mean, there's so many regional amusement parks and theme parks in the U.S. I mean, even like Cedar Point, Kings Island. Yeah, to like have like a Cavaliers ride, or um, you know, Cincinnati. Like I don't know how you do like a Cincinnati Reds ride, but you know, there's like all sorts of ways you could go about. Like you'd have a kids section theme too. Mm -hmm. You know, the mascot from, uh, you could have, like, the, the Phillies fanatic could have, like, a themed section at some, you know, small amusement park in, in the greater Philadelphia area. There's, like, 10,000 of them. So there's one that, you know, they can fit them in somewhere. But and, and not even professional sports, but, like, what about, you know, parks that have, uh, you know, college athletics around them? Like, yeah. what, what happens if, like, you know, Busch Gardens or, you know, something like that gets, you know, a... You know, College of William and Mary, or I, I, you know, it's just that kind of thing. Um, obviously, it's a little more different when it's like in Virginia, but like, what happens if Kentucky Kingdom gets some sort of UK thing? You know? Yeah, or like, like I think, uh, like I, all I can think of is like weird, like small parks, but like Camden Park in West Virginia, um, they're not very far away from Marshall's campus. There you go. The ride and call it the Thundering Herd. You yeah. Know? Yeah, um, and all you I, need I, is like a little bit of basketball theme, like no, sorry, basketball, football theming, and you're good to go. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's happy, and you know it appeals to people that are there. Um, I, I'm I'm more excited about what they're doing at Kennywood though because it comes with the whole experience thing. I think yeah, I feel like my my wife and I did uh, Barcelona. Uh, Arca FC has this like basically it's a shop across the street from the Sagrada Familia in Barcelona. But it also has like a little museum that you can like tour through and walk around and check out. Mm-hmm. And like that was a cool like you know, 30, 45 minutes that we got to go spend in that. It has all sorts of exhibits and it's very high tech and you know, you can kick a soccer ball and you know, buy a super expensive jersey and, and all the rest. And I'm like, I thought that was really cool. And the idea that like you could port that over into amusement parks and have it, you know, give it a little bit more flair than what presently exists for some of the souvenir shops, I think is kind of interesting. Um, it's better than like another shop, you know, selling Quicksilver or <laughs> Box. Or Oakley's or... Yeah, I mean, all the things you typically end up seeing, you know, both at regional and major theme parks. Mm-hmm. When they have like unbranded garbage. So, um, yeah, well, so one of the things that I think is really interesting is that um, I was when I was in Atlanta last. We looked at the the, the uh, College Football Hall of Fame, 
and how they had their whole entire experience. So, like, you could do, like, a paid-for experience where you do, like, the Hall of Fame, and then you also then you get to do, like, some of the drills on, like, the on the first floor there. And it looks yeah. like that's what they're offering in Steelers Country, which is what um, they're calling this land, Steelers Country. You know, it's going to have some, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's going to have some uh, games of skill. It's going to have a splash pad, some food. It looks like it's going to have a sports grill, hopefully with better beer distribution. Looking at you, Kennywood. Um, but yeah, so what seems really cool is that there's going to be some sort of interactive area. Um, so I'm trying to look at... Uh, their description of the area. So it's called the Steelers Experience. The Steelers Experience is a one-of-a-kind indoor multi-level training facility that puts you on the field in the center of the action. Interactive exhibits like the cooperative Terrible Tower. God damn it. <laughs> and a, comp- a competitive two-minute drill will give your team game day re- get you game day ready. Uh, track your progress and see how you stack up against others with an interactive leaderboard. So, I mean, like, that's the kind of shit that you hear about and you're like, okay, so what you know, entertainment company designed that, you know, who, yeah. what, what kind of, cause that, that's the kind of thing that you would expect at, you know, a major, you know, entertainment area. Um, and, and that is really themed entertainment in a nutshell, especially regional themed entertainment. Um, I'm wondering, yeah. I'm wondering like, if this is a success, you know, like, I feel like this is something that they can port over to other parks as well. Like, um, so there's there's also limitations. Like, let's say you know for Kennywood and, and the Pittsburgh Steelers, I feel like that's a good match. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I look at the other parks in like the Park Avenue Noodles brand, and it's like Lake Compounds in in Bristol slash Southington, Connecticut. Like, it's almost Giants country. It's almost Patriots country. It could you could have the Yankees there. You could have the Mets. Like. There's there's a lot of like you know competition between the the different you know fandom. Mm-hmm. It's not like one clear like squad that you'd want to have represented there. Plus, also like the quality of the park. Like Kennywood is a very historic, legendary park that's like you know part of the fiber of Greater Pittsburgh. Whereas like a park like Lake Compounds is not not to say that it doesn't have value to like Bristol or to Connecticut, but like the level of importance of Lake Compounds does not match that of Kennywood, if that makes sense. Yeah. So if you're the New York Giants, do you want to be associated with Lake Compounds? Whereas, you know, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers being associated with Kennywood, like, everybody agrees, like, yeah, that totally fits what we do. I think it's kind of one of those things where it's, uh, everyone's like, well, I think the problem is people are going to look at this and go, oh, well, we can just do this here with, you know, what's local. You know, it it reminds me very much of the Pandora thing where it's like, well, people loved Hogsmeade. (laughs) And this is a really popular movie and it involves animals somewhat. Let's put an animal kingdom and and it just, it never kind of really worked in the end where it's sort of like, it sort of works, but you had to make up a bunch of stuff and it still doesn't resonate and make sense. So like, I could see a situation where like, if this works, I could see another, like, you know, six flags over Texas all of a sudden has, you know, the Dallas Cowboys experience, but it's like this really not dedicated thing. They just like retheme a midway or whatever. And it's just, it doesn't make sense. So like, you got to really kind of put your, you got to put your ass on the line a little bit. Cause that's what yeah. Kennywood's doing. And you kind of also have to have that, you know, there has to be that sort of relationship with the with the team in the city. And, you know, 
the Steelers have it. Not every city has that with their sports team. Like, what could we do? Like, you know, like if there's a park outside of St. Louis, you know, that's a great place for, you know, the Cardinals. But like, are there any other crazy teams like that, you know, in the area? I mean, yeah, that's that's kind of my idea. What are my thoughts like, on that? Like, like, you think like, okay, like, what about like a Valley Fair? And it's like, well, what team would you have in Minnesota? Well, like, Vikings. Vikings <laughs> yeah. You know, but like, because you're not going to go with the Wild, and you're not going to go, I don't think, with the Twins. Like, I don't think they have that level of value. I mean, Vikings could work. There's also there's also like a value assessment that comes along with like the team. Because like, do you want to tie yourself to the Browns, Bush Gardens, Tampa? to the lightning <laughs> or the Browns or yeah, or, or Cedar point to the Browns. And, and that's any, that's an issue with, with teams in general too. Like they're going to be pretty cyclical. Like eventually the Pittsburgh Steelers will have bad years. Yeah. Like, it will eventually happen. Like admittedly they have been at least passable for most of my 35 years on this planet. There were some, there were some shaky years there where like, Tom Zick was the quarterback, but well, for the most part, since the '80s, really since the, like the the late 1960s, that team has been pretty good, pretty good. Yeah. Um, in terms of in terms of football, like you basically have, you know, you have um, you know the Cowboys, you have the Steelers, the Packers, the Packers, and the Patriots. It feels like those yeah, are like the teams you could really. It's a really, that's like a recent addition to that list like they're they're a modern addition you know because historically you go back in the 60s 70s 80s like the patriots were not even the 90s yeah patriots not a powerhouse team at all and especially the 90s for you know the cowboys was huge so like that's definitely uh you know a dynasty team right there but like but also like look at baseball you could do a baseball experience that's not a giant roller coaster you can you know do something with flat rides and make it kids related and you know, stuff like that. Imagine, you know, if they open something like that in, you know, in any major city. Like, you know, I could definitely see the Reds being Kings Island because I think both of those are, and and you said it before, and and they do. They the Reds are in Kings Island. They have a restaurant, yeah, the Hall of Fame Cafe. You're right. Yeah. Um, so, like, imagine if they just rethemed part of Snoopy Land to like the Reds, and all of a sudden, you know. They have the walk around, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Red, and they have some of the rides there. Like, that'd be sweet. Or, you know, or something like that. Or, you know, the Indians, you know, wherever. Or I'm, I'm just trying to think of other parks near other things. But, like, I mean, I mean, I can totally see it working in different aspects. And I think sports represented in theme parks is in- incredibly underrate, under, underrated or underappreciated. And um, I think that comes down to basically um the people who design the parks not having interest they call things sports ball is that what you're getting uh yes i'm kind of getting at that a little bit um uh and and also i just think that it's just a little too easy to like put your a put put a stagnant something onto an attraction instead of something that's dynamic and always changing um a sports team changes daily um, but you know, the wizarding world, Harry Potter, pretty much still the same <laughs> for a right. long time. Those movies aren't changing. Your right stamp <laughs> on something like that, because you know, it's like, you're never, it's never going to like define you, I guess. Like, like you can't, you can't design something from scratch in that, like you're, you're defining it around 
the team and the team's identity. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, this is one of those things about, like, theme design or, or you know, whatever you want to call that kind of stuff, uh, that kind of design and architecture where it's like, you know, if I'm canned as Wonderland, like, why don't I have something that's themed to the Maple Leafs? Like... Even if it's a restaurant or, like, or a kids area, yeah. Like that's such an ob- like it's such an obvious thing to do, uh, and people would love it. People but would go crazy for that. Thing. But from another angle, it's also like, well, what happens if Six Flags America had a Redskins or the Washington Football Team themed area, where it's like, oh, <laughs> mm. I mean, there, yeah. There's there are limitations to this, and but again, it's not like it's not like you're forced to take a sports team, you know, like. I'm sure in this case what probably happened is Kennywood was I'm I would guess that Kennywood probably approached them, the Steelers, mm-hmm. and were like, Hey, we have this idea, what do you guys think about it? And, you know, they eventually wrote up their terms and came up with an agreement and then, you know, went from there. Um, you know, I can't see the, especially the Redskins. Like I, but, but, or anything similar to that. Like I can't see like the Cleveland Indians being like going to Cedar Point and being like, we want to have Indians land. And we want it to look like this. And Cedar Point being like, yeah, absolutely. We're totally going to spend our money to promote you. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, that's just not the way it's going to work. So, um, I, I see that point. The, the bigger thing to me is more the, the fact that like, what happens if you get stuck with the, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers, <laughs> right? And like, like you're like, do you have to like? Could you imagine like you have to put up all these signs? It's like just trust the process. <laughs> yeah, the uh, I think drunk at Disney mentioned that uh, his joke was uh, Bush Gardens Tampa was going to get Buccaneers land, and it was going to be their attraction there was going to be uh, uh, counted out by November. <laughs> yeah, yeah, eliminated by November. Well, eliminated by, by yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean. You know, that is that is a threat, again, but, you know, and that's why I think it's going to be for very specific markets, uh, especially markets where you have one clear park that kind of dominates the market, and there, there are a few markets like that. St. Louis is one of those markets. Um, Green Bay, I think, is one of those yeah. markets. Yeah, Green, Green Bay. Green Bay is an interesting case. Like, I can't, like, the Packers are the only you know, fan-owned team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one park that's in Green Bay yep. is also a public park. There you go. Um, so it's there. It should get, obviously, it should get a Packers I'm a, ride of some sort. But, but also, I'm looking at, like, stuff like Chicago. I mean, Chicago has a huge sports following, so why doesn't, yeah, you know, I mean, Six Flags up there? Bears. And I mean, I guess technically there has been one other sports ride, but it was only for a day. <laughs> Was that like King James? No, no, no. Top Thrill Cubster. Remember? Oh, yes. <laughs> That's right. That is right. Yeah, there's, you know, like I said, I, I'm fond of the idea. Um, I shouldn't get, like, ahead of myself by, like, saying that every part should do it. And I don't think anybody else should. But I think it's a great idea. And I, I agree with you. I kind of think that, like, it hasn't been explored fully because the people that you know, come up with the ideas are not sports people necessarily. Yeah. And I think, uh, do you know what a great park would that be that they could do that with is if it was like, 
you know, Six Flags Magic Mountain, like with the Lakers or something yeah. like that, I think would be perfect. Or even the Dodgers. I think that'd be a great addition. Yeah, actually, um, Dodgers and Magic Mountain is like a strangely attractive proposition. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I like I, that's a for some reason, like I just picture like the demographics of people that go to Dodgers games and people going to Magic Mountain being like way more similar than people would first think of. Um, yeah, that's actually that's not a bad idea. There's there's a, there's a bunch of them. You could come up with so many. You could come up with tons, tons and tons and tons. But yeah, um, and it can't just, be just, just an over. We finally got to a point where it's discussed. Yeah, think... and it, and it just can't be an overlay, and it just can't be you know, you know something simple. It actually has to have, have some stuff substance to it. Yeah, it has excuse to have me. Some interactivity, like people Ugh. have to be like they're engaging with their team. That's yeah. Cool. And and it, and it needs to be you know honest. It can't be cynical, and that's the big thing uh, they can get with sports. Is like, oh well, I mean, welcome to Dodgers Land. It's you know three, <laughs> it's three you know throw the baseball mini games, you yeah. know a place where you can get burgers and fries and a shop. Welcome, you know. No, it's like no, you gotta you know build a new ride. You have to build some new infrastructure, make it a, an area. You know, you gotta throw some weight behind it. You just can't. You can't, you know, half-ass it, so. So, are we done talking about sports? <laughs> I think for now we're done talking about sports. Okay, we're done talking about sports. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Sports, sports, sports. Sports, sports, sports. Sports, 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 sports. So, you what do you want? Actually, for, for anybody that wants that wants more of uh, somebody saying sports, sports, sports over again, over and over again, there's... Uh, I know that barstool sports is a controversial thing. Yeah. The, when Riff Raff did his uh, his fake uh, newscaster thing for Barstool, it's fantastic. Like, he talks over highlights and just, like, saying completely ridiculous things because it's Riff Raff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would highly recommend that. I mean, it is, yeah, it's Riff Raff, so. And he literally says, <laughs> like, sports, sports, sports. Okay, duly noted. <laughs> yeah. You have to imagine is like Riff Raff saying it also, which is important. But any, anyhow, um, what else do we have to chat about? If not Steelers. So I mean, there's well, there's a few news stories we can talk about. What are you feeling in particular? Anything? We'll briefly talk about Cedar Point uh, and Cedar Fair. Okay. Uh, so the Cedar, Cedar Fair, Fair parks. Yeah, Cedar Fair announced that their attendance is actually down, uh, which was very surprising to a lot of people. Um, they they said that I guess like it was what like disappointing at Kings Island and Cedar Point I think and it's like down three percent overall. You know, my my takeaway there's a bunch of takeaways I have from it. One of it is that you know last year there was a, a big new attraction at Kings Island, which is one of their most visited parks by far. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, Canada's Wonderland really didn't have anything big then, but um, and and also uh, you know we have a new ride that just opened up at Knotts. I think that's going to help things out in the second half of the year. Definitely, um, that's getting a lot of good buzz too. That's getting a lot of good buzz. A lot of people really really like that ride. Um, so I, it may be a situation that part of it is that you know a new ride at Cedar Point that is not going to have the same effect in terms of being able to spur attendance increases as it would have at a park like Kings Island or Canada's Wonderland. Um, another part is that there's been a lot of new stuff that they've gotten 
over at Cedar Point. I know last year was the water park, and you know, uh, the year prior to that was Bell Raven. Um, you know, this year with Steel Vengeance, it's, it's to some people it's going to look at it's kind of like it's kind of static, like they've just traded Mean Streak for this thing. Uh, so maybe that's not attracting as many people, even though you know it's clearly one of the best rides anywhere. People are gonna people are gonna start traveling for that ride, and also people are staying longer for that ride. Yeah, I feel like. I, I want to point out too when Maverick opened its first year, I think attendance may actually have gone down that year as well. It either went down or was like close to static, like it barely changed. Um, you know, and part of that was a question, I guess, of, of how Cedar Point was supposed to, you know, promote what Maverick was because it wasn't the tallest or fastest of anything. It was just like a multi-launch coaster, the first ride of that sort that they had at the park. Um, at this point, though, like I can't even picture Cedar Point without Maverick because it's such an integral ride for that park. Um, you know, Cedar Point, Cedar Fair was not complaining necessarily about the length of stay that people were having, if the hotel revenue was way down or anything like that. Um, I guess, you know... My first takeaway, like I said, is, is maybe it, it's just not going to resonate as well in that at Cedar Point because of its distance from major cities. Uh, there was the incident where they had the trains bumping on the opening day of Steel Vengeance, which earned a bad PR. Also, like, it was really nasty out the beginning of, like, their whole entire season in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, May was not the best. Um, I mean, it's really hot right now, but, you know... I hear that there's a lot of people using the beach, which nobody's like ever seen in living memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like they're, they're, like, they're they've really been pushing the resort aspect of it, and I think that that's working and that's good. Um, one other thing that I think about too, as far as like the tenants being down, is you know people that are going early in the season or late in the season, uh, we're having a less than great time because of the deep understaffing and, and issues they've had with that. Mm-hmm. That may be affecting people's return visits. You're not going to see it immediately because they're already in the park uh, when it happens the first time or even the second time, but they may choose to change their visiting as a result. And, yep. and also, it's, there's a later season, so a lot of people go in October now. So there's a lot of different things in that, and I think we'll see how it plays out over the rest of the year. We'll see if there's a big pickup in the fall, uh, especially for Halloween weekends. Uh, if the numbers start like really, really increasing, you know, it's it's definitely not a period where you have to hit the panic button. I'll be very interested to see what happens next year because you know Carowinds is getting a big new ride, and Canada's Wonderland is getting a big new ride, and I think that those two rides have probably a greater you know possibility of of really jacking the attendance up for Cedar Fair. Um, so that's kind of that was my take on it. I, I'm it's compelling to me and it's interesting to me, but I don't think anybody has a clear answer for it yet, including Cedar Fair. So one thing you did mention that we should bring up is that uh, Cedar Point has bought additional land for more dormitories. Yes. Um. Yes. Now, and that's a huge issue. Is like you know just even going to the opening day of Still Vengeance, um, the media preview, just like talking to people. You know, they're like, okay, well, we're just waiting for, you know, the international students and everyone to get out of college in, you know, like a month. So, and Cedar Point keeps opening earlier and earlier, and they have less and less people ready to go at the, at, you know, until later and later in the season. Like, I remember looking at, you know, the, this day in history in Cedar Point, 
and being like mantis opened in like late may (laughs) yeah yeah i think it's 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 such a complex thing because there's a lot of other things that are going along with this like they they were very honest with the first quarter results uh you know there's a lot of discussion on that with regards to the tax cuts for trump and you know what they were going to do with all the money that they were going to save from the tax cuts and they basically said we're going to build dorms uh, you know, not just at Cedar Point, but I think like seven or eight of their properties they were going to build dorms at. Possibly even like Michigan's Adventure in Dorney mm-hmm. in order to house, uh, you know, internationals, basically people here on like J1s. And the only problem with that is the question of like, well, you know, is U.S. immigration going to be able to process all these visas, not just for Cedar Fair, but all the other parks that are doing the same thing and all the other businesses? Because there's there's a huge waiting list to get visas processed right now in the United States. And, of course, we currently have a president who is basically anti-immigration. So how do you guarantee... Well, I think anti-immigration is a very polite way <laughs> of saying what he thinks yeah. about foreign yeah. people yeah. in general. You know, and... You know, we're at a point where if you if you look at the unemployment rate in the United States, like four percent is considered full employment, uh, and we're we're below four percent. In some states, it's below three, uh, which means that there's a lot of competition in the labor market. We're still not seeing wages go up. This gets into like a deep economic discussion, but yeah, let's let's avoid that. <laughs> yeah, let's try to avoid that. But but eventually they they have to uh, because they will run out of labor, and then prices generally increase along with that. Um, I just, I know that that's what they want to do, but I guess they don't necessarily have to even go with internationals. They may be able to, you know, even recruit domestically, uh, which they've done, they did it for a long time, going to places like Detroit and Flint to obtain folks to bring in and and have come work for them. Uh, Maybe they'll push harder for that in the next couple of years if, if there are issues with getting visas. But they need the dorms. Because, you know, there is a, a lack of adequate people in the Sandusky area. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's, multi, it's multi-stage what they need to do. And I, I've said that regarding Cedar Point, too. They, they need to work with local businesses about getting people winter work. and there, There's a lot to it. There's, it's, it's very, very difficult for them with their location. But, you know, they also have to kind of figure it out. Like, they're the adults in the room. They're the guys who actually have the skin in the game. I'm just some guy that, you know, hands them $200 a year to go to the park. <laughs> so, you know, my my opinion is is only worth so much. Um, it, it, I like to think that my opinion is above average in terms of value, but you know they have to make their their own determinations. So, um, I, I want them to to do the right thing. The dorms, I think, no matter what, they have to go that route more than likely. And I would like to see them like continue to expand down that way in terms of their housing and you know everybody everybody's looking at cedars which is the old hotel next to the marina about just getting rid of that and then moving the road back because it creates a whole bunch of real estate in the park Mm -hmm. and i like the idea I think it's a good idea. I think they should do it. I think everybody thinks they should do it. It's one of those things where, like, where everybody thinks you should do it, they'll probably do it. Like, and I imagine at some point in the near future, like, that's that's what they'll do. But they, they need to get, 
you need to actually have people in the dorm rooms first, I think, before they can you know, determine whether or not they have an adequate number of dorm rooms or not enough, and then get rid of cedars. That's my thought process on it. Plus, if you don't have enough people to run anything, like, what do you need to expand for? Like, what can you expand? I mean, you're just adding to your your problem. Yeah, you when you take the sky ride, you can look in the backstage area behind, like where Cedar Downs is at, and there's, you know, in the middle of prime season, like a couple weeks ago when I was there, you can see all the food stands and wagons and stuff that are not manned that are sitting back there because like they don't have people to do it. There's there's no top thrill snow cone this year, as best I can tell, because. You know, there's no way to make stone cones, um, things like that, which is lost revenue. Um, yeah, and we, and we know that Cedar that uh, um, Melt had issues last year, and they went with a totally different company now. You know, providing their you know their food and bev and wait staff, and you know there's still a little bit of issues, but it's way better than it was last year. And you know, like, and and there's like, still issues with Chicky and Pete's too. I mean, yeah, like the companies that run those restaurants, like. Really, you almost have a, have to have a company that has an association with companies that work in Sandusky, Port Clinton, etc. during the off seasons so that you can basically just move people around, um, you know, and also have like you know permanent people that can teach your temporary folks that are just there for the summer, like how to do things properly. Um, anyways, I, I I I'm excited about the possibility that Cedars would one day go away. I think it's good that it, if it does. Um, but I'm not, I don't know. I'm not as optimistic as other people. That's going to happen anytime soon. I, it's, if it does happen, it's still way off in the distance. It's maybe more of an idea than anything. Mm-hmm. And they have other issues to fix first. Yeah. Um, so Alan, do you kind of want to explain what's going on in Carowinds? Cause I'm going to run the restroom. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, you explain uh, what's going on with uh, a little bit of history, what's coming, a little bit of what they're laying out, and maybe a little bit of what's coming, in a way. Yeah, so we we know, we have a a very good idea as to what it is. Pretty much everybody knows of the stage. There's actually people have taken pictures and seen the track at the factory of it being a mock coaster. There's, you see pictures on Roller Coaster Database from the parking lot at Carowinds that show mock logos all over the crates uh, next to things like rebar. It's going to be a launch coaster. That much everybody is, seems to pretty much agree on. Um, and they have a number of launch coasters that they've been building over the last few years, including most recently the one that opened up at Walt Disney World just a couple of weeks ago, the Slinky Dog Coaster. Uh, it will be appreciably more extreme than that ride. Um, it's it looks like it's probably going to be shorter based on the length that they gave. I think it was like 3,255 feet was the length that they've been given on these, these granny's recipe uh, spoilers uh, or, or hints that they've been giving out. And, you know, the mock coasters of that style, obviously Slinky Dog is, is very much a family-oriented one. There's also the other... You know, one that most people are familiar with in the U.S., which is Manta over at SeaWorld San Diego, uh, which is a little bit wilder. But the, the big ones, the multi-inversion rides that they built, uh, I've been on Velociraptor, which is over at IMG in Dubai, and Dubai Parks and Resorts has the Capital Bullet Train 
which is in their Lion's Gate section themed to Hunger Games. And both of those rides are, are launched mock coasters, and they are really, really good rides, really fun rides. I am very excited about the ride at Carowinds. Um, they've, they've really tightened a lot of stuff in terms of these, these hints with many of the other rides and attractions that have been built at that park historically and elsewhere in the company. Uh, in Cedar Fair, you know, references to the timber company that the woods of uh, Mystic Timbers, Miami Valley. Uh, there's like the old Mean Streak logo has appeared in some of the, the hints um, slash Dominator logo. Um, mean Streak and Steel Vengeance, like wordplay. Yeah, Arrow, like, like everything has been like wordplayed into these. And you know, I, I, I'm impressed. Like, everyone was kind of like, well, when are we going to get hits from, hints from Carowinds? Like, Carowinds hasn't said anything yet. And then, sure enough, it started to, to to slowly make its way out. And it's like, oh, everybody's getting, like, everything they could have asked for out of it. Like, for instance, one thing is they had big mocks excavated and building. <laughs> and it's like, you know, unless you know that mock ride, which is M-A-C-K, is pronounced mock in German, like, you know, you wouldn't be thinking anything of it. And it's like, holes dug of any size and depth. Wagons, bobsleds, and flume. <laughs> Which are all things that Maka builds. Um, there's the White Lightning references, which is one of the, you know, theorized names for the ride, uh, but was also used a lot for the log flume that used to be at Cedar Point to shoot the rapids. Yeah. Um, there's just there's a lot of different things that they've kind of broken out for this. I'm I'll be interested to see. It looks like it's probably going to have like some sort of 1940s ish theme for the cars. So I'm assuming it's going to be like hot rodish, uh, which is funny because they're only about three hours away from another hot rod themed roller coaster that's launched. Mm-hmm. But you know, I guess you know, running moonshine is uh, one of those things that resonates in the south so why not do that um yeah i I, it's one of those things where it's like i know the ride's gonna be good uh i hope it they do something interesting with it design wise and also like theming wise because carowinds for me is is a park that is like really flat and too often devolves into like vast like spaces of concrete with the occasional thrill ride um, I'm sure it's better now. It's been a few years since I've been, but I just want to see something like really nice come out of it that's interesting and fun and also different. And I like if by default it's going to be different for the U.S. market because there's there's just no ride quite like this one here. And yeah, it's going to be a better mock than Slinky Dog. That I can tell you. <laughs> I mean that's not hard, but yeah, I, I'm I'm excited for this ride. I think it's going to be actually pretty good. Um, it just I don't know. It just and plus I think it's something that park needs. I mean they don't have a launch coaster. Yeah, they don't have a launch coaster. Other yeah, they don't even have a stunt coaster, do they? No. So like this is I think something that's just I think will round out the park quite nicely. I mean. I mean, yeah, sure, they probably need another wooden coaster or something, but when it comes down to it, you know, they have what? They have a B&M Hyper, B&M Giga. They have a B&M Inverted. They have, 
you know, hurler. <laughs> they have the, the Vacoma. Yeah, they have the Vacoma flyer. They have, they have a pretty solid uh, mine train. Yeah. Uh, they've got a couple of decent family rides. They've got like a Woodstock's Express type thing, one of those small junior wood coasters. They've got uh, a Wild Mouse. They have, you know, uh, a reasonable number of family attractions. They actually have a couple of indoor things, uh, which is nice. They have a dark ride. They have the, the shooting theater, mm-hmm. uh, Plants vs. Zombies. So, you know, to go this direction, like, you know, I agree. I think it's it's a good ride for that park. It's a decent fit. It's going to be interesting. It's not going to, it's not going to, you know, it'll look fairly unique to the audience that goes to that park because, like, even though there's launched a bunch of launch coasters over at King's Dominion, if they went there, if people were familiar with that, this will be different than those rides. It'll be different than anything that's at Six Flags over at Georgia. It'll be different than anything that's over at Dollywood. Mm-hmm. And so so automatically, you're, like, differentiating yourself in the marketplace. You're not looking all the same. And it's going to be a fun ride. It's going to be a good ride. I mean, mock coasters are really good. So, you know, it, it's tough to argue with, like, a really a, a solid ride. Like, I, the minimum is it's going to be fun. Like, it, like, people will say, like, it's not elite. But, like, it's probably going to be, like, a, a really good ride. Like, a really, like, decent ride. It, it, it's going to be competitive. Well, actually, I would have said it was going to be competitive with the ride at Kennywood. But now that I've seen the ride at Kennywood, I, I, I'm, like, totally 100% sold on Kennywood's coaster being, like, the best regional theme park coaster. Uh, you know, and a, and a reasonable candidate to, to actually be the only one of the regional park coasters that can compete. You know, basically on raw thrills versus what's going to be coming out of the coaster that's going into Universal. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's definitely going to be way more intense and way more thrilling than the Universal one, I believe. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, like, Universal ride's going to have so many different elements to it and so much theming. Yeah. Uh, it's going to have, it looks like, drop track and, like, a, a spike and stuff like that. So it's going to do a bunch of different stuff. It'll probably go backwards. Oh, it's going backwards, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's going to do these different things that, you know, clearly, you know, if you want to call it a more straightforward ride, like Steel Curtain doesn't do, but, you know, Steel Curtain's going to basically try and make up that distance between the two of theming with just what it does as a ride. A superior layout. Yeah, with, with way more, way more stuff happening, way more forces, you know, airtime, uh, positive G-forces, stuff like that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be, that I think is going to be the ride. I think that the Carowinds ride and whatever Great America is getting will probably be, like, discussed and and liked, but, yeah, it's... What about Canada's Wonderland? I mean, they're getting a freaking B&M dive coaster, so... No, I feel like the the B&M coaster that's going to Canada's Wonderland is, like, almost forgotten. Like, everyone's like, yeah, I guess they're getting that. Maybe it's just a foregone conclusion, so no one's talking about it until later, or you yeah, know, I, until I, they. I think, I think that's a big part of it. Like everybody knows what they're getting. Like the track's already there. Mm-hmm. Some of it's installed. Like it's it's sticking out of the tunnel that's built next to Wonder Mountain, and they put a tarp over it, so you can see it like sticking into the tarp. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like there's no there's no doubt in anybody's mind what it is. Um, and I think that yeah, that the fact that we know what it is it does. Really 
from the, the nerd enthusiast perspective. As far as like the average person in you know Toronto, it's not going to have any effect whatsoever. Like they're going to be stoked about it because it's going to be a huge freaking ride with a vertical drop. Mm-hmm. What do they need to know? Yep. So, uh, anything else in Cedar Fair Parks? Pretty much it for right now. I mean, yeah. everything else is is pretty much you know stable. I don't think anything's really changed. Um, since we last chatted, um, we can briefly talk about like our own travels. So yeah, well, actually, one. Well, I mean, before we before we talk about our own travels, uh, uh, Universal officially opened their cinematic celebration nighttime show. So, yay, they have a nighttime show again. I guess that's showing somewhat daily. So, yeah, Universal, just just show your nighttime show daily. Just do it. Just keep it open. Keep the park open late. Show your nighttime show. People will like it. That's all I gotta yeah, say. I, you know, people seem to enjoy it. I know it's it's not as large as something like uh, World of Color is. Way smaller. Way smaller. But a bit. But still very. Still a, I mean, World of Color is sort of like when you see it in person, just kind of like blows your face off. This is just very. Oh wow, that was very good. While World of Color is sort of like. You know, the Dolby. No, was it Dolby? No, or the RCA logo where it's like the guy in the chair with like <laughs> just sitting there with the sound system blowing oh, him no, back. No, Jensen sound or something like that. Yeah. Uh, God, oh, Pioneer. Pioneer, yes. Yeah. So, that's like World yeah, of Color. Sitting there and there's like the speaker and it's just like blasting him. There's like, <laughs> like all the, the effect of the ear. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's like World of Color. This is just more like, oh, we only have 120 fountains. World of Color only has 1,200 fountains. <laughs> I think the thing about all these shows to me, and I, I said about World of Color, and I'll, I'll probably say it about this show just as I did the previous Universal show. Um, when it gets down to it, like, yes, it's very impressive, like what what you know each company does with lasers and projectors and you know uh, gas, you know, flame and you know all that stuff in the fountain. Mm-hmm. But like your actual emotional interest to it is going to be related to whatever collage of various you know movie imagery they use. Mm-hmm. If you're not really a Disney movie fan, then you're not going to sit there and get misty eyed at every single song. Uh, and if you're not into more of the Universal films, which you know generally trend towards an older audience, like they'll probably reference stuff that's rated R. Uh, in the show, I'm sure they I have Jurassic Park in there, but they they always traditionally have had at least like like definitely PG thirteen and rated R type stuff like you know references to things like Psycho, mm-hmm. which in a million years you're not going to see anything like Psycho being projected onto the world of color screens. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean is about as close as they're going to get. And that's yeah, way far off from a serial killer that you know has his mummified mom. Yeah, the Universal show has uh, Fast and Furious and uh, Jurassic World, so that kind of tells you what like the the upper limit for them, and their lower limit is sort of like we're gonna play the Justin Timberlake song from Trolls, <laughs> which is yeah. probably the best part of the show because all it is is dancing fountains and lasers and lights and fireworks, you know, without projections necessarily. <clears throat> you know what? As long as as long as the people there that go see it are happy. Um, I'm fine with it. Like I, you know, it, it's great. It's a nighttime show. The big thing for me is like, if you have a nighttime show, 
you increase the odds of the park being open at night. Yeah. That's that's really the relevant issue. Like for me it has been with Universal's like we keep closing at seven PM. <laughs> Stop and doing that. Seven, you know, which is great if you want to go to Fun Spot and ride White Lightning, but when you pay a hundred something dollars to get into Universal in the first place, it would be nice if you weren't thinking about going to Fun Spot every single day because it is the one thing that's open to midnight. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm 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 happy. I'm glad that they did it. Good for them. Um, keep up the good work, I guess. Yeah. So let's talk about our recent trips. So, yeah. Alan, what have you done? Uh, let's see. Two weeks ago, I was at Darien Lake. Um, I did a, a quick trip out to Western New York, and we were at Darien Lake. My wife and I uh, rode their newest coaster, Tantrum. I know Alex had had kind of given a quick review. Um, I, I generally, my wife and I, I think agree with his review. It's it's the same exact layout as what is at Galveston Historic Pleasure Pier on Iron Shark. Uh, it's a short layout. You know, the coaster is only like a hundred feet tall or so. It has a beyond vertical drop. Has a couple inversions. It's the brake run. You know, nothing about it is bad. It's a smooth ride. The restraints are decent. I think my problem with the ride, uh, if you want to say I have a problem with it, is that within the confines of Darien Lake, uh, as its new ride for the season, it it actually is like it's so dwarfed by what's already there that it just feels very minor. Um, to build a roller coaster that's like fourteen hundred feet long and a hundred feet tall, you know, even with the beyond vertical drop, <coughs> for a lot of the parks, you know, that might be a, a huge ride for them. It would be a really big ride at somewhere like Lake Compounds or, um, I even think like smaller parks, like, you know, a fun spot type of park in Florida or Castle Park in California or something like that. Like, not a big park. Darien Lake has a hypercoaster. It has a 200-foot-tall intimate hypercoaster. It has uh, a 100-foot-tall wood coaster. It has a boomerang. It has an SLC. It has... 130 foot tall arrow multi looper with five inversions. Like it has big stuff already. So when you build this orange thing that's, you know, 30, 40, or in the case of the hypercoaster, 100 feet lower than those rides and is way shorter than all of those attractions, even if it is technically better than most of them, it just it feels like a kind of, just feels like an afterthought. It just feels like they went cheap with what they built. Um, Aside from that, uh, <coughs> I rode Superman there. I haven't been on, well, just Ride of Steel right now, but I'm sure we'll return to Superman next year. Mm-hmm. Now that Six Flags is in charge, uh, which is, it's a fun ride. Uh, it, it's one of those rides where it opened up, you know, almost 20 years ago now. It opened up in 1999, and I rode it that year. At the time, it was mind-blowing, because it was the only coaster that had ever been built that had airtime like that. Like nobody had been on a steel coast that had those, those huge, crazy, intimate airtime ones. And now, like, everything has those. So now it, it's not Or crazier. I'm sorry? Or crazier. Yeah, or crazier. Like, especially with Rocky Mountain coasters. And, and now you ride it, and all you can look at is, like, the flaws to the layout. Like, it has a helix after the second hill that's basically against the ground. And the second hill of the ride is 150 feet tall. 
so and it, it's like shuffling the whole way through. And then after the helix, there's just a straight piece of track, like a straight flat piece of track for maybe 300 feet. I just and you're just like, well, why did you do that? Like, why did you have a roller coaster that literally does nothing, absolutely nothing, for an extended period of time? It just it's mind-boggling. But that was the number one steel coaster in 1999. And and then it fell down to being like in the middle of the top ten, and now like it's not even in the discussion. Like it's not in the running for anybody's top twenty-five or top fifty. Um, that's that's just the progression of, of what's happened with steel coasters the last twenty years. Um, we rode Moose on the Loose, because of course, Moose on the Loose, and it's as fantastic as I've ever wanted it to be. Insert the image of Hyde riding Moose on the Loose here. <laughs> Oh god! Oh god! That, if they do anything to Moose on the Loose, like I will, be, I will be physically mad. I will, be, like there will be more than a strongly worded letter. <laughs> um, played a lot of Fascination because they do have a Fascination parlay there. Their arcade was a little, looking a little beat. Um, rode the Flyers, couldn't get them to snap. Uh, gave it a good shot though. A uh, lot of the flat rides. Like, most of the flat rides were, were, like, running, but, like, they all could have used, like, a little bit of freshening up, like, paint or something like that. Um, I did not recall the park having that good of food back in the past, but they actually had pretty decent food. There's an actual sit-down restaurant there. There's an anchor bar hmm. at, at uh, Darien Lake. Really? And it's it's pretty easy to get a beer at Darien Lake. In fact, they have refillable all-day beer mugs. Better than Kennywood, right there. I appreciate it. Uh, but the big surprise for my wife and I, we have been told to go ride Predator in the front seat, which Predator has been terrible for, again, pretty much as long as I've known it to be in existence. And I had a really good ride on Predator. I cannot say that Predator is a good ride in every seat, but I can definitely say that Predator in the front seat, like the very, very front seat, is legitimately a good ride. Like, it has a bunch of airtime. Uh, the end is still kind of crappy, but it's by far the best, like, din wood coaster I've ever been on. And uh, I used to think that Predator was beyond saving, and if it was demolished or disappeared or SBNO, like, I was okay with all of those potential outcomes. So I'm actually really stoked that I had a good ride probably my favorite coaster in the park uh, followed by Superman and then like way 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 below that would be um, would be Tantrum again not that Tantrum is bad it's just it doesn't it doesn't feel like the right fit for that park uh, we were going to go to Waldemere the next day we ended up skipping on it because we were in Waldemere last year and also it, it opens at like noon but then most of the big rides don't open until one which is a pain when you have to still drive all the way back to Michigan after going there. Uh, so we ended up stopping in the town of Geneva on the lake, which is on the Lake Erie shore in Ohio. Uh, it's filled with weird old arcades, and there's also a Fascination Parlor, which we played at, my wife and I. Uh, Fascination, I know we've mentioned it a bunch of times, you know, Super great old electromechanical game. I love it to death. I think it's super, super, super fun. And anytime I get a chance to play a bunch of Fascination in a parlor where, like, you know, it works, I'm stoked about it. 
Um, there used to be a small park there called Erie View, and you can actually still see the building that the dark ride was in. Uh, my wife and I rode it, like, in 2003. At one point, it was beer pong. <laughs> like, it was beer pong. But you can actually, if you walk up to the building, you can look down and see where the track was and see how it, like, turned into the building. Like, it's all, like, super clearly there. Um, and I, I did try the doorknob to see if I could open it just to walk in, but they actually had it locked. So it kind of sucks that the park isn't there anymore and it's been gone for a while, but uh, lots of cool arcades. It's, it's not too far away from Cleveland. It's not too far away from Conneaut or Waldemir. Um, and, you know, for me it was a blast. Just to stop in real quick and, and check it out. Um, the last weekend I was in Toronto. I uh, went up and visited my buddy Jimmy, Mr. Tobin. Uh, I don't even know if he's on... He may be on. He may be private on Twitter. So nobody out there may actually be able to <laughs> to follow. No, he's actually at Jet Seventy Nine. At Jet Seventy Nine is Timmy, uh, and we had a good time. I hung out. His his wife is in or was in Italy. She just got back this week. Um, so I went up there. We basically just did like like very light touristy stuff, like kind of his general area, uh, especially because he had his, his kid was over. His kids there. So it's like, you have to do stuff that like a three-year-old kid would be entertained by while you drink a beer in the background. And then uh, his uh, wife's mom watched uh, watched his kid, Ali, while we went out to go see Weezer and the Pixies. Nice. <clears throat> uh, which is a really fun show. Uh, great venue, which is also in the middle of like a defunct amusement park, which was Ontario Place. Uh, you can see the log flume that used to be there. The log flume is actually still there. They just buried it. They literally just covered it in dirt. Uh, except for, like, the lift hill. Like, obviously, you can't cover the lift hill. But they covered as much of the lift hill as they could with rocks. And... But you, you have the whole backdrop of downtown Toronto behind you. And, uh, yeah, it's a good time. Even if beer is 1550 Canadian for a, a tall boy. <laughs> that was pretty rough. Um, but yeah, so that was that was my last couple weekends. This weekend was going to be super point, but the weather is awful, so I'm going to go do something else instead. Nice, Joe. You were in Chicago. I was in Chicago. I love Chicago. Chicago's good. I love Chicago so much. Um, I went up to Chicago. Uh, went with my sister. We flew out Saturday morning. Uh, first flight out of the Pittsburgh airport I've ever been through. Uh, Pittsburgh Airport's not too bad. A um, little old. Uh, they have... It, it's really weird because it's you have to go to the main terminal, and then you have security, and then you jump on, you know, basically... You, you know how the, the the monorails they have in, in the Orlando airport with the air the air station, the airways? Yeah. Like, they just, that's the amount of access they have towards the rest of the terminals. It's just like two monorails <laughs> so it's like oh okay so here's my question it's yeah. been a while since I've because <clears throat> they still like what happened to the mall mall's still there and not only that the Pittsburgh airport I was reading up on this is the first and only airport in the United States that allows non-ticketed guests to go to uh, beyond security to the mall wow yeah I was wondering how they did that because so so it was a U.S. Air hub. Yeah. Back when U.S. Air existed. And the hub 
some time ago. And of yeah. Course now you say it's part of American, and it's like a focus city. Like they still have nonstops to London, I think, from there. Uh, Sounds about right. Uh, I, I was seeing uh, that American had a lot of uh, nonstops to LAX uh, this week for cheap, like 180 bucks round trip. Um, so next time I need to get to London to uh, to LA, definitely the way to do it. Um, but I mean, the mall's still there. So when I was there, um, uh, God, so like this one upscale place was closing. I forget what it was called. Um, if I just, yeah, my mind's blank on it right now, but like they still had a, but something more than that. Yeah. It, like, I mean, I mean, they still had, you know, the really nice stores, but I forget the, what the one that closed, but it was like clearly out of its league but like brooks brothers was still there and fine and there's just a bunch of re- places there that were f- completely operational with people in them like you know there are actually people in them um they have a michael simon restaurant they have a tgi fridays they have voodoo brewing there which was really interesting they basically set up like in the middle of like the terminal <laughs> like a little beer garden with like a little uh beer cart and that was it. And they were playing music. <laughs> it was kind of adorable. But um Yeah, I mean I mean it's dirt cheap. You literally just have plastic cups and some dude manning it. So it's it's pretty cheap. Um but anyway, flew out to Chicago. Um we did the blue line, we took the L all the way through Chicago. Um we went to go see the matches, which I'll get to in a second, but my sister and I uh, we stayed at the the Hilton Chicago in downtown um on south michigan avenue in the museum district and it was a fantastic hotel um we had the like conrad hilton uh no just the just chicago hilton and this was the old school two bathrooms and two twin beds kind of design built in the night in the 1800s if you know what i mean so so, okay so this hotel you know that if this is the hotel that I'm thinking of, like it's over by Grant Park, right? Yeah. So that is that is an incredibly historic hotel. Yes, it is. It's super like cool. That's the hotel from the the 1964 uh, Democratic National Convention where they had the riot. Uh, I don't remember about that part. I think they wanted to gloss over it, but it was still good. <laughs> there used to be like a museum in the basement that talked about that. <clears throat> okay. Well, we weren't in the hotel too long. But um, that was one of the few places I could get with, like, hotel points that was, like, brought me into range of, like, affordability because it seemed like everything was out of my ra- my range. Um, because when I went <laughs> to... Ch- it's actually really dope. I think... <clears throat> yeah. So when we went... National Convention. Okay. So, for, so we went to Chicago and, like, the matches booked this show um, June 13th. Um, no, 14th, June, June 14th. So I bought my tickets and I'm meeting my friends there and my sister wants to go. So we're all going and I'm looking at hotel rooms and I'm like, why are there no hotel rooms? And I realized, oh wait, that's because there's like 80 trillion different events going on that weekend in Chicago. So you have, you have basically have the taste of Chicago going on. You have Pokemon Go Fest going on. And you also have the Journey Def Leppard concert in Wrigley. <laughs> so it was just like there was a guy from boxing twitter that was at that concert by the way yeah so we found out about that we, we also we dislike him so we <laughs> felt much much better that we had made <laughs> yeah so we, we we get to the the hotel you know you know we, we were up at like eight o'clock we get the hotel around you know a little before a little after one 
Because, you know, we landed around noon, you know, we take the blue line and the red line, and now we're in the hotel. So we then decide to head over to Three Dots and a Dash, which is the Tiki Bar in Chicago. And let me tell you, that was an experience that I absolutely loved. Um, Three Dots and a Dash, uh, you go in on the side, like, it's like a side street, basically. <laughs> like it's it's hysterical they have like all these tiki torches and stuff you have to go on the side street you go down below the fontana the fontera um restaurant and there's this giant when you're going down you know there's a giant wall there retaining wall well they just put a bunch of skulls on it and painted it black and just have lights on it it's super cool but um so we we get there. We had reservations, thank God. Um, so if you guys ever want to go, make sure you get reservations. But uh, we had a few drinks. We had the poo poo platter, which was absolutely delicious. They had um, macadamia nut uh, beef meatballs and Thai fried chicken and spring rolls and all sorts of good stuff. Um, my favorite drink there was the three dots and a dash um, drink, as their namesake. Um, my sister had a few drinks that she loved. All the mugs were cool. Our our waitress was one of the best waitresses I've ever had at a tiki bar or a bar, period. Incredibly knowledgeable, very uh, personable, um, offered great recommendations and knew what she was talking about. So we made sure she got a way above 20% tip. Um, we walked out of there with a bit of damage. So don't go in there thinking you're going to get like a $10 drink. <laughs> um, but it was... I believe totally worth it. I thought it was so cool. Um, we were there for like two and a half hours. We were, we had a great time. Um, after that, we went up down to, uh, well, we went up to, uh, Wrigleyville, um, walked past all the hordes of Def Leppard and journey fans to go to the Metro in Chicago. Um, one of my favorite music venues. Um, and we saw the matches there who were fantastic. Um, playing through the whole entire album, uh, it was really good. Um, absolutely great time. Got to, I didn't get to meet the band this time. I just met, uh, the documentarian and the wife of the bassist for a little bit. And then they kicked us out, which sucked. And while we were waiting to meet with everyone, like the journey concert was ending. So we're like, okay, we need to get out of here (laughs) before everyone descends on the red line. (laughs) So we all, we all split and like, there's this dude behind us, like on the red line train who was about to puke. So I'm just like freaking out. Um, but yeah, we get back to the hotel, you know, around noon or no, not noon, around midnight, we pass out. Um, so if you're ever in Chicago, we, for brunch, we went to Yolk, Y-O-L-K, Yolk, and it's this awesome brunch place. My sister got like these, but got this like lemon meringue pie pancakes and I got chicken and waffles that were absolutely to die for. So highly recommend that. Um, and then we flew out. So it was like a really hot 26 hours in Chicago. Um, absolutely love the city. Absolutely gorgeous. It was beautiful. Um, it was a little bit rainy, muggy on Saturday, but Sunday it was absolutely perfect skies, gorgeous, beautiful out. Absolutely loved it. Um, yeah, the weather this weekend was, was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking at Yolk right now, and I see if there's a location in Indianapolis. Yes, there is. For those people that decide, like, they want to go to the most mediocre city. <laughs> and, but also Dallas and Fort Worth. Yes. So you are extra covered in the Metroplex. And um, also, Yolk had some of the best 
well-run operations I've ever seen in a restaurant. I know brunch places are pretty well-oiled machines, um, but this one was exceptionally so. Uh, we sat at the bar, and we were just watching it, and it was just like watching a Swiss watch. It was just, it was just like, wow. <laughs> like, just, you know, like toast coming out, bacon coming out, plates going around. <laughs> it's just, it was like, what is going on? <laughs> well, that's, that's excellent. I'll, I'll definitely keep that in mind. Yeah, um, Yolk was definitely good. Let me see. I'm trying to think, like, what I have coming up. Like, this weekend is going to be kind of a chill weekend. Same. Uh, yeah, the, uh, this weekend and next weekend are pretty chill for me. Going to explore Pittsburgh a little bit. I uh, think about hitting up Ikea. Thinking about hitting up the driving range. Do you know what opens tomorrow in Pittsburgh? Top Golf. Always a good time. Um, I'm going to try and get down to Top Golf. Uh, uh, I'm thinking about hitting up the Tiki Bar in Pittsburgh soon because uh, haven't been to it yet and I really want to go. Um, yeah, it seems like something you should do. Yeah. Um, so that may be something I do Saturday. Um, I'm probably I'm probably not doing anything this weekend, but there is a very strong possibility that I will end up back in Toronto again uh, in like a week. Hmm. Um, I was when I was out there with Jimmy. Jimmy's like, "Do you want to go see Rise Against?" <laughs> I was like, "Like, like I'm not like a huge Rise Against fan, but I'm also like I also I'm a huge fan of going to Toronto." Uh, so I'm like, possibly? And it was like, it's like, oh, it's them, AFI, and Anti-Flag. Holy shit. And, yeah. oh, wow, that is a real, that wow. <laughs> Rise against Anti-Flag. Wow, okay, yeah. <clears throat> so I'm like, on a Saturday night. Uh, huh. Yeah, sure, why not? Like, yeah, yeah, I could do that. I think I might do that just for fun. Just like, why not? Why not? That's that's always like the best reason to do something. Yeah. Uh, so I may just go back to Canada uh, because I, I just can't get enough Toronto. Toronto yeah. is like Toronto is kind of like the in like an ideal situation. Like I'd be like, yeah, I'm gonna go move there. Like it's incredibly, it's such a pain in the ass if you're an American to relocate to Canada. But like conceptually, the idea is actually deeply appealing because it's a real city. Yeah, a, a real place that has real stuff happening on a fairly frequent basis, and uh, yeah, no, I'm actually pretty pumped about that. So heavily considering it. Um, oh man, Def Heaven's playing there on Friday night beforehand. Damn. So also, Jeff and I are going to head out to Kennywood and Knobles sometime soon. I think first weekend in August, maybe. Trying to think about that, plan that around that. And then I'm trying to plan out to uh, get to Six Flags Great Adventure. And I booked my trip down to Dallas for training, for work. So I'll be going to Six Flags over Texas again and hitting up and hitting up. Uh, um, uh, what, what was that brew down there? Um, Turning Point. Turning Point. Yeah. You can see those guys again. Yeah, see those um, guys again. Yeah, before you go to Knobles, make sure, make sure you chat with me. I'll have a chat with you. Yeah, it's important. Like, you can't... The last thing that we want you to do is to make mistakes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> not do stuff that's, like, key to, like, the Knobles experience. Like, that would just be... It's like the one time that my friends Josh and Vanessa went there, and they were like... They're like, everyone told us the food was so good, but I had this, like, really bad thing for lunch. And I was like, oh, you had the eggplant parmesan 
at at the Alamo, didn't you? And they looked <laughs> at us like we were from outer space. And they're like, "How'd you know that?" Well, because we know. <laughs> the only bad thing on the menu. <laughs> really yeah. bad thing there. But, um, but yeah, now we will. Yeah, you'll have to talk with us beforehand just to make sure that you know what to do. But yeah, no, it's um. I mean, it's Kenobi, the best. But yeah, no, I'm I'm stoked to do more stuff. Uh, surprise and. Actually, the, the one other thing that I guess we could briefly mention before we go off that just opened up, which is like two new themed areas at a park called Toverland in the Netherlands, which I'm going to go to. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited about it. The brand new B&M wing coaster. There's a oh, yeah. 12 minute long boat ride. And they have a whole section of the park that is basically a Harry Potter ripoff where you wave wands and stuff. And nice. I don't know how any of it works. Because everything on the website is Dutch or German or French and not really English. Uh, but I'm going to try and I will report back. Try. Please do try. So, as we, as we close out this episode, I would like to read you a joke headline from the hardtimes.net. Dog wearing misfits bandana can't even name three of their songs. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that is that. That is a great. Yeah, there we go. Um, so, Alan, where can everyone find you on the online's at? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Gods on Safari, and uh, you'll probably see a new piece on Parkscope uh, Friday, which is tomorrow. Uh, at least it's tomorrow now. I don't know when it is when you'll hear it. For uh, the now, we're getting down to the the end. Of the the series of the hidden attraction series. That's sort of nuts to think about. I, yeah, like I, I actually have managed to get down to like the bees. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, right now I think I was working on Virginia. I think is what I have right now. That's going to be going up. Uh, oh no, I yeah I no, it's Washington. Washington is what's going up tomorrow. Uh, so there's only West Virginia, Wisconsin, Wyoming. And then I have the territories. Yes, I'm going to do the territories. Yeah, <laughs> which is going to be the territories of the U.S. and Canada. So yeah, you want you want Puerto Rico? You want? I'm going to see what the hell there is in the Marshall Islands. I don't think there's very much. Uh, there's not very much in in Nunavut, but you'll read about it on Parkscale. Yep. You can find me at Parkscope Joe. You can find everything we do at Parkscope.net or at Parkscope on Twitter, um, where I post the hottest memes available. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so leave us a review. We'll see you guys later. Take care, et cetera, et cetera, all that stuff. We're exhausted. I mean, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Everything's been real tired. It's been a week, man. It's been a week. So we'll see you guys later. Bye. <laughs>